Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. I did threaten to take him to small claims court, but uh, didn't end up doing that. So, no, I did not do the other. What's the old Brady Bunch adage? Can't fight City Hall. <laughs> it's the, the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest Quaid with you this morning. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, is going to be with us. We have a lot, a lot of Missouri things to get into. Um, AFL-CIO and Americans for Prosperity have both brought out uh, some of their financial guns and are getting involved in one prominent Missouri race. Uh, polls are tightening in Missouri. Is it going to be enough to call Trump's lead in the state into question after things that have gone on? And uh, plenty of issues uh, for uh, Coster and Greitens as well. So we'll get into all that with Aaron Baker coming up in just about half an hour here on the morning meeting. Quaid, I want to start the show today with fear. <laughs> okay. This, you I'm may, scared. You, you may have <laughs> seen And I'm not talking the Halloween kind of, of, of good, good fear. Uh, you may have seen this. It, uh, it's something that is meant to be lighthearted by the uh, uh, service that we have here at the station. But this goes so much deeper. I have not seen that. This goes so much deeper than, than most are going to give it credit for. They put together a story. Uh, someone did a survey. It was uh, Chapman University in Southern California. Okay. And they, uh, they asked uh, a variety of Americans what they fear the most. They have a top 10 list put together. Oh, this is like from, what, last week or is this? Yeah, this was in today's. It was today? Yeah. Okay, well, I want to say that I saw something about that perhaps late last week or over the weekend. Josh is nodding his head. Uh, yeah, this is this is today's. And if you take each one of these one by one, mm-hmm. they're very understandable. Um, things On like, an individual level. Yes, identity theft, uh, people you love dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a victim of a terrorist attack, they're they're very understandable on an individual level. Wait a minute, are you going to tell me that Donald Trump's on that list somewhere? No, he is not on this list. <laughs> okay. I was a little bit surprised by that. If you pull back and get more of a macro view, the government occupies four of the top ten slots that people are afraid of. Okay. In this country. In what way? Because obviously of the top ten, number, you know, eight, seven, sure. you know, four and two aren't government. So right. what is it uh, that, that you're labeling as government or a, a, a section of government that has people concerned? Number ten, Obamacare. 36% of the population says they're afraid of Obamacare. The consequences of. Yes. Live, living it. Yes, the, the, the use of, the reliance on, and the consequences yeah. of yeah. Well, remember, Obamacare. I, and I will, I will always take the opportunity to remind everybody, a majority of the people never wanted this. Mm-hmm. From the get-go, yep. they were not behind this, never have been. So uh, to say that uh, that's number 10, uh, okay, not shocked. That's number 10. Number 7, 
uh, a total economic collapse in our country. And I'm, I'm loosely putting that under government's heading because while increasingly they're trying to play the game by annexing one-sixth of the private economy through Obamacare, they're the ones who set the rules for the game. There is, yes, they're, they're the, the propping up yes. of the economy, and I, and I will go back to uh, quantitative easing at a ridiculous QE1, level. Instead, QE2, right, instead QE3. of letting the markets do what the markets do, we can't have failure at certain levels so we will we will prop things up mm-hmm. so what you have is a, an artificial reality mm-hmm. and this um, happens on both sides it happened with tarp it comes from both so sides of the island when you talk about and i wouldn't want to know further economic collapse collapse is is you talk about fear is a scary word mm-hmm. but if if reading say, into this i'm thinking a greece like situation that would be quite frightening yes. if if all of a sudden there were rationings and shortages of, of things. Yes, especially austerity, in, not a word we want in in this country. We are uh, kind of we cringe when that word comes up um, because we are a consumerist type society and we like our tangible things. And if all of a sudden tangible things aren't there to be had. Or if we don't have money to get those tangible things because they're they're those are connected. Then yeah, I could see that things would be a, a little because now it's it's not a but if you say economic collapse like stock market collapse from 1987 mm-hmm. or from 2008, that's not going to be good. It's not. It's no. It's not going to be good. But it's it's worse for those on the upper end who are who are who live their lives by the market. Mm-hmm. But for you know most everyday Americans. Other than perhaps you know their retirement savings and stuff like that, that it doesn't doesn't impact them on a day to day, minute to minute, right? Level. Where they can see it, right? It has to it has to filter down to them. Chapman University in Southern California put together research on things Americans fear the most. Number ten, Obamacare. Number seven, uh, total economic collapse. Number five, and we're just going over the government related numbers. Number five. Government restrictions on guns and ammo. Wow. And we're right I mean, here we in the used, heart of hunting You use the word, yeah. government restrictions. Now, what this was, which school was this? Ch- you said Chapman University? Chapman where University. Is, where is Chapman? Southern California. Wow. Mm-hmm. So number five, government restriction on guns and ammo. And number one, number one, corrupt Government officials, 61% of people say their biggest fear in life is corrupt government officials. That beat out being the victim of a terrorist attack at number two. Wow. And not having enough money for your life, for your financial future at number three. Wow. This, you pull back, and I talked about it, each individual one is easy to understand. But when you create an overall picture... And just to flesh it out, the other things on this list are everyday things. Uh, you're, uh, people are afraid of being the victim of identity theft, sure. of loved ones around them dying, mm-hmm. not having enough money for the future. These are our, our basic human instincts. Mm-hmm. But when you realize four of the top ten are government and where they come in at the top ten and what they are, this fear is a lot of the mentality that didn't directly put Donald Trump on the ticket but gave rise to the opportunity for an outsider in the political system to come in and make waves. Yeah. So it, it's this fear. I, I saw this list and I thought, boy, they're on to something that they don't even know. They've landed a fish bigger than they were fishing for. 
You know, you got the you got you got the forty pound fighter on the two pound test line because you thought you were just looking for a little crappie or something. Now you you've got something going on here. Yeah, and the the fact that this was done in Southern California now d- th- that th- adds they, to it. But did they poll people in all areas the of the country, I, I don't or have is the it just methodology. you know? And if they did this on campus, to me, it speaks a lot louder. Mm-hmm. I, they didn't uh, divest, the or if polling. they just you know kept it within their zip code or their area code. I, that that even still speaks louder to me yeah. than than if they did a nationwide. You know, we got somebody. You know, university got a hold of you know a list of phone numbers to call and and stuff like that. And and we'll call these people and ask them questions because that can happen. You know, if it's a regional thing, I think that speaks more than if it's a uh, coast to coast. Because if you if you told me that this was a school in you know Oklahoma or Texas, sure. Then I would go okay, you know. But it's the Ohio, fact that it's a something s- like that. Southern California. It's a climate wow. of a climate of fear right now when it comes to government in our lives, and that's what opened the door for a, a political outsider to make this run and to make noise. We'll see if he'll be able to follow through on that, or if Americans are moving away from him. New polling data is out. There is one poll that's. Not like the others. Yes, one of these kids is doing his own thing. We'll talk about why that's the poll that so many informed poll watchers watch when they're looking for a poll to trust. That coming up as we continue this morning on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. Good morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid with you this morning. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies coming up. Uh, Bob Dylan just won a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, we'll ask him what his favorite Bob Dylan song is when we when we grab Aaron Baker coming up uh, this morning after uh, uh, Dylan was awarded the prize uh, this morning. Okay. So that should be interesting. Uh, we'll also then go into his strong suit, which is Missouri politics. So that'll be the reason for having him on the show. And uh, speaking of politics. <sighs> debate. <laughs> that's a, You could end it right there. Yeah. Speaking of politics. <sighs> yeah. That's, say a lot. That's where we're at right now. Uh, the third and final presidential debate coming up on Wednesday. Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton. Uh, this one's going to have a little bit different tone. Uh, Chris Wallace of Fox News is going to be the moderator. Uh, Wallace actually put out the topics that he's going to uh, ask him about already today. Yeah. He said uh, these will be the topics. He goes, not not necessarily in this order, but uh, debt and entitlements. So the government debt and government entitlements. This is this is I think a, a key topic that we need to to wrap our head around in this country. Uh, he's going to ask about immigration. Going to ask about the economy as a whole. The Supreme Court, foreign hotspots, meaning what we're doing with our military in tough places around the world, and then uh, their individual fitness to be president. I have a feeling this is where we're going to get into the he said, she said uh, claims of uh, abuse, of, of, of overstepping their bounds that have come up now again against Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, if, and I don't know more than has been reported. If this is the case, then yes, they should be. The claim should be taken seriously. If this is the case, 
If it's not, and this is just another attempt to distract from the actual conversations that need to be going on, that's pretty low. I think I think the timing on this is intentional. Uh, it happened uh, just enough days ahead of the debate to get everybody in the country stirred up about it so that it would then have to be addressed at the debate. So it's once again going to serve, whether legitimate or illegitimate, to steal time for more important discourse. Um, it, certainly. I, I, I Part of me feels... <laughs> And I don't know Chris Wallace, but when you talk about you debt, don't you haven't had beers with him. I do. I haven't debt right. and entitlements, immigration, the economy, Supreme Court uh, choices and nominees, foreign hotspots. I, I think those these are all worthwhile things yeah, to they're, discuss. They're all slam dunk topics but, but for I presidents. Ca- I almost think that Chris Wallace. And, I'm like, and this is why I say I don't know him. That he was forced to include. Yours for presidential, yeah, yeah, into it because it's been such a dominating part of the narrative that his hand was almost forced. And then I say, Well, I don't know him, maybe he thinks that that's you know, should be part of that. The fact that it's included last, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure how to read, but you said this isn't in any particular order, so he could lead off with it, right? That's what he said. In, I hope we don't, but at the same time, it'll feel weird if you don't because then it's lingering out there. Yeah. And, and then it's, yeah, it's it's present by its omission. Correct, correct. It's the 900-pound elephant in the room, uh, whether you address it first or not. So that's coming up on Wednesday, the final presidential debate. Then we'll just be two weeks out uh, from the presidential election. Wow. Some other numbers that have gotten uh, widespread uh, looks were the work of uh, Nate Silver at 538. He does a lot of the forecast modeling and has been uh, very accurate with his predictions over the years. He put out two maps, and I didn't realize it, Quaid, but our printer, when you print them in black and white, it's really hard to kind of see the difference. It looks like the, it looks like the uh, states are all united. Yeah, it looks like... In uh, gray. Yes, <laughs> we are the United States of gray, according to the uh, grayscale printer. Uh, in the newsroom. Anyway, what what he put out, Nate Silver put out, was uh, what the Electoral College result would look like if only women voted. Oh. And then what it would look like if only men voted. And? Wildly different, to say the least. To Mm -hmm. say the least. Let's start with the ladies. Uh, If only women, and this is women of all ages, genders, and socioeconomic backgrounds, but if only females voted... The only states that uh, would look like they would go to Trump would be uh, Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas. Nebraska is 50-50. It's the only 50-50 one in either of these. Uh, would be those. Uh, um, you'd be looking at Colorado, the, those kinds of areas. And everything else would Colorado? go to in a landslide. 458 electoral college votes to 80 for Trump. Okay. Again, this is Nate Silver's modeling if only women voted. And then the other side of that coin was what would happen, what would it look like if only men were allowed to vote. This one is almost as tilted the other way. Trump winning 350 to 188. Uh, the only holdouts uh, for Clinton, Illinois, <laughs> California, and then the, uh, the, the Northeast. Okay. Uh, New York and, and that, that New, greater New England New area. England, yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was very interesting. Uh, Missouri, uh, I thought, might be red both ways. It was not. Uh, it was just barely, barely blue uh, for Clinton in this. 
and a heavy red, obviously, uh, for Trump. Well, then so, the, the, interesting. the the question is percentage I, of men who vote versus percentage of women by gender. Are men more likely to vote? Okay, you're, you're talking about a, a participation right now. Mm-hmm. I think this is also invaluable to the campaigns for who you develop your messaging to target in these last three weeks. Trump now I, I, has I, evidence that he is locked steady solid with dudes, mm-hmm. and you're painting with a broad brush there. And, and women has the same numbers. Clinton has the same numbers for females. And I think both of them waste their time trying to up that winning percentage marginally. Whereas if you can convert, if you've, you've got a bigger target, there are more converts to be won across the gender aisle. But that's the tough part. It what is the tough part. What can Hillary do that will convince the men who are overwhelmingly behind Trump mm-hmm. to flip-flop? And what could Trump do? To over, you know, to 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 convince women who are overwhelmingly behind Hillary to change their vote. What are those hot button issues, gender wise? And maybe you go back to your list of things uh, people are afraid of. Now I want that list broken down into gender. And say you're playing to people's fears. Okay. Maybe you can turn that, uh, not necessarily, and play to their, you know, make positive things out of out of that. And, and if four of those things are government, I think that, again, plays into Trump's hands. You would think so, since his entire position has been, I'm the outsider and we need a change across the board for both parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we, we talked about it before. It's the, it's the, take the labels off of it. The fundamental message is for both. Trump's is, it's fundamentally flawed. And we don't have to start over, but we have to fix it. Hillary's basic message is it's fundamentally fine. We just need to tinker around the edges. So that's that's the, the you, you boil it down. You, you strip away R and D and and all of the other things. Their fundamental message just come down to those two sentences. Trump's basic premise is that the system is inherently flawed and needs to be fixed. And Clinton's fundamental message is everything's fine, we just need to tinker around the edges as we strive for perfection. So whether or not you believe that we need a drastic change or whether you're profiting right now with the status quo is really what their campaigns are based on. I go back to number one on this list. Mm -hmm. Number one. government officials. Corrupt government officials. Other poll numbers out, these uh, uh, more traditional poll, not just the modeling we were talking about. Uh, Nate Silver and his crew have all of that work up at 538.com. Check them out. They get into uh, what I really like about them, not that they need my plug, but they take on other down-ballot races and, and area races and really give you some accurate modeling for that, too. So you can check on on you know a home state or a home state race uh, that you want to look into. And, and they do a, a pretty accurate job with it. History has shown that their modeling uh, is is very accurate. Nobody's going to be 100% right 100% of the time, but they're very accurate with the way they put together those uh, analytical and statistical models. Other polls that I'm interested in, I mentioned the one poll that informed people watch because their data is so differently put together, and that's the uh, LA Times-USC tracking poll, Quade. We've talked about this one before. Mm-hmm. This is the poll that takes a group of voters who identify as undecided and follow that same group throughout the entire process. Other polls, they get a random batch of 1,000 people, call sure. them, who are you going to vote? And then that's their number. They're, they're looking for a 
microscopic cross-section of the country. And sometimes they get it and sometimes they don't. And sometimes the pools lean heavy Democrat and sometimes they lean heavy Republican. So you're not sure what you're getting. But this long-range tracking poll is a dead heat. It's 44 to 44 in that L.A. Times-USC poll, and it is a dead tie right now. That's the number that I was surprised by. That's a dead tie per the polling, but mm-hmm. would it be a dead tie electorally? Now, they don't get into where they're at and all of these other because things. Because that matters. It, it does. But as far as the polling numbers, it's a dead heat. Everything else that you look at, NBC News, Wall Street Journal, Clinton's up 10. Uh, the Reuters poll, up 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Atlantic, up 11. Are NBC you looking at the four-way race or the, or the two-way race? I'm looking race. at the two-way right now. Okay. Uh, NBC News up seven. Fox News, Clinton up four. But that long-range tracking poll has that follows tie. the same yeah. group has it as a dead heat at 44-44. So Trump obviously has his work cut out for him if he's going to pull off what I think we can safely say would be a bit of an upset. Now you look at the four-way poll because this is a four-way race. Whether or not you think... Gary Johnson and Jill Stein have a chance to win is another thing, but they're going to get some votes. Johnson's routinely coming in between like 6 and 8%, and Stein's around uh, 2% in most of the polls. And those numbers are closer when you look at it. And, and Rasmussen reports even has Trump up to, in their latest poll, numbers coming out uh, yesterday, late yesterday. So it's interesting. It's, it's a tighter race when you look at it as a, through a four-way prism. Uh, than it is if you look at it in a head-to-head prism, unless you're talking about long-term tracking of the same voters. And that's why you'll see that poll, and if you, you're not versed in what these are, that LA Times-USC tracking poll usually looks different than everything else around it. They're the kid who's not like the other kids. Right. They're the kid doing his own thing. They're doing the, the, the harder work mm-hmm. of following how the trends are going. Okay. So we'll see where that goes. You're going to hear a lot about these numbers leading up to that final debate coming up on uh, Wednesday. Coming up this morning on the morning meeting, we'll be joined fresh off the baby moon by Aaron Baker of uh, Axiom Strategies. We'll talk all things Missouri next on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Dennis Miller, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting here on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid with you this morning. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategy, our guest with us this morning. Aaron Bob Dylan was just awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature. What's your favorite Bob Dylan song? Uh, you know, guys, I'm, I'm a good evangelical. I'm, I'm not sure that I listen to secular music, particularly that's that old. I, I, I couldn't tell you. You've got Quaid's head spinning around right now. <laughs> wow. Okay. I just interesting. 
All right. All you right. can ask me a lot of tough questions on the show, but asking me about Bob Dylan music is probably, you know, we can go Star Wars or anything else. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we've ever asked you a tough question on this show, so <laughs> we'll just stay with that Stay with that mindset. Aaron Baker, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. Uh, new polls out show Attorney General Chris Coster is extending a lead in the Missouri gubernatorial race. Is that to be believed, and is that coming at the uh, is that expense by Greitens coming on the heels of being associated with the top of the Republican ticket in Donald Trump? You know, uh, I will say that that after Friday we saw a free fall in polling uh, for Trump, and it's interesting that the down ballot candidates seem to be more affected by the comments that were talked about in the media more than Trump was himself. So you, you might say that it was a little bit damaging to the brand. Greitens was catching up to Coster prior to that, and that uh, growth in Greitens' numbers uh, slowed, and he's down about six now and, uh, and hasn't, hasn't bounced back up. And interestingly, in Missouri, the Trump lead of 9 to 10 is now, down, is now a 4 to 5-point lead. Um, and, you know, after month, after the last debate, uh, which was a decent debate performance by Trump, many of us thought or hoped that Trump's numbers, numbers would bounce back up. But really, they just stayed stable um, since Friday, Saturday. Uh, those, those numbers have stayed to where they are today, plus four or five in Missouri, and, and haven't bounced back up to where they once were. Yeah, I haven't seen anybody saying that Missouri might be in play for Clinton any more than it has right. been before. It looks solid for Trump there. But as for Greitens, one of the pieces of flack that he caught during the primary was uh, not submitting a Missouri right-to-life survey. This is important for a certain demographic of voter. The Greitens camp has done that now. Is this going to help? Is this too little too late? Is it uh, already decided in the game since yesterday was actually the last day to get registered to vote in Missouri if you weren't already? You know, I do think it helps. Uh, Greitens is being challenged from the right by a man named Lester Torelli, who owns Merrimack Caverns. He's a, a conservative uh, on evangelical far-right issues. And so I, I think it was wise of Greitens to go ahead and fill out that survey and just make sure that he's got the base that he needs to uh, get elected in November. Aaron Baker with us uh, this morning on The Morning Meeting. Aaron, would you have believed me if I'd have told you six months ago that more money would be being spent on the Missouri governor's race than any other state? Uh, no, I, Missouri's, Missouri's a multi-state market as far as TV. TV rates are pretty high right now in, in Kansas City and St. Louis. I would have not have guessed that it would be the number one in the nation, though, uh, for competitive status as far as spending. It, it's a very interesting position to be in, and I'm not so sure that uh, our U.S. Senate race won't end up in the top two or three as well. So uh, if you're in the media business, it's a, a good time to be selling advertising, and it, it should be a, a good year for uh, TV and radio in Missouri. Speaking of that uh, Senate race, Democrats uh, believe that uh, Roy Blunt is uh, kind of wounded and flopping around in the pool. Uh, I, the, the, I'd always thought that Blunt was more secure than that, but they seem to think that there's an opportunity here. Was Blunt hurt? more by what happened with Donald Trump than Donald Trump was? There was probably no 
candidate hurt worse in the country uh, or um, it, it, Blunt is in trouble. Uh, it's it's true. He's up against a uh, strong Democrat candidate with statewide name ID. And uh, the thing for folks to remember is Blunt is uh, a more conservative than Kander. Uh, but he's he's got his hands full with this one, and uh, the narrative is going to have to change, and we're really going to have to focus as conservatives and in these ads in the coming weeks uh, as as candor the liberal, uh, and and really attack him on his credentials to keep Clerk McCaskill from having another Democrat in the Senate from Missouri, a, a red state, as we as we've talked about. But yes, uh, the Trump comments. Uh, were very damaging to down-ballot candidates, including Roy Blunt. Yeah, the University of Virginia Center for Politics has moved the race from toss-up to now leans Republican in blunt candor, but we just saw AFL-CIO and AFP Americans for Prosperity kind of enter this race in a bigger way. AFL-CIO had begun a, a mailer campaign to hit about 35,000 union households in Missouri. They're back in candor. Americans for Prosperity uh, have been going door-to-door in uh, supporting Blunt. So it seems like we've gotten some, I don't want to say fresh blood, but new entries into this on both sides, Aaron. Right, and I think it's also a lack of competition in other states. Uh, The Democrats have abandoned their hopes of winning Ohio. They haven't abandoned Florida, but it's getting harder uh, there. Uh, Wisconsin is tightened up, which is actually good for the Republicans. Uh, Kelly Ayotte in New Hampshire is is doing okay. Uh, There's fewer and fewer states that are in play here, and unfortunately Missouri is more in play today than it ever has been. And so, you know, if we've got a governor's race that's on the radar, we're we're going to have a Senate race on the radar and more so next week when we talk again, I believe. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, in that battle between Blunt and Kander uh, for Senate, what is the mindset in Missouri over affordable care? This, to me, is the disconnect if Candor doesn't win. Candor has been supporting Affordable Care Act, known as Obamacare. What what is, what is Missourians' reaction to Obamacare? How does that sit in the state? And could that be the issue that does him in? Uh, that, that would be a good tying him to, to liberal policies in general, including Obamacare, is what, what needs to done, be done. So far, Roy Blunt's focused on Roy Blunt's work in the U.S. Senate, and and he's really going to have to start hammering down on Kander's liberal credentials. Right now, Missourians don't think of Kander as a, a liberal who supports those liberal policies. They think of him as a, a U.S. veteran, as our Secretary of State, and uh, see his pretty good advertising and, and uh decent narrative on the campaign, uh, Roy Blunt's really going to have to focus less on Roy Blunt and focus more on Jason Kander. There's a story that uh, has come out within the last uh, day or so about uh, Jason Kander being named in a suit uh, by Roman Maniloff, I think I'm pronouncing it, uh, maybe that's correct, uh, that includes Andrew Hartnett and Jason Kander. The Kansas City uh, Star uh, picked this story up. It's about uh, discrimination uh, in hiring Um is that something that you think might get more play and something that, that, that Blunt will grab onto, even though the suit was brought over a year ago? Yeah, I don't think, at least in a, usually a story like that, as wonky as it is, is an earned media 
is, is a paid is an earned media. Sorry, play to where you would hope that newspapers and uh, television station reporters would would care about these issues. I don't see um, Missouri's media, which is few and far between. There's about four reporters left that would actually write about such a thing. I, I don't think they're going to be doing Roy Blunt any favors. Uh, but for for candor, it's a distraction in that uh, for the LGBT community, candor has had very uh, progressive discrimination policies just for his office. And so for someone to sue him on on these issues, now this is a a man, I believe, uh, that accused of discrimination because of his nationality. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's a distraction for the candor campaign, but I don't see Missouri's media helping Roy Blanc on this issue at all. Aaron Baker, our guest this morning here on The Morning Meeting. Uh, Aaron, um, Amendment 3 has been especially contentious in Missouri, and I see that there is a a new round of commercial spending that's gone on, and it it calls into action one of the longtime sort of mascots for big tobacco, and that's a camel. You can draw your own conclusions as to where and why that's being used. Is this going to come down to, to, to the final hours? Do we have any sort of direction on where this may be going? Well, anytime you have a ta- tobacco tax, it starts off as being fairly heavy on the yes side. Uh, the the camel man that you see appearing in commercials is quite confusing because that is a no on yes commercial that uh, basically has uh, a camel man entering a diner. And it's confusing. Why would big tobacco raise money, ra- raise taxes on cigarettes? And we've talked about this before mm-hmm. in that uh, – We've talked about it before that big tobacco, yes, they're raising taxes on cigarettes by about 60 cents a pack. But in addition, they're raising it another 67 cents or a buck 27 on their competition. And so the advertising is focusing on big tobacco using kids. It's an early childhood education program to crush their market competition. And those advertisements seem to be working. And uh, Missourians don't like outside influence coming in and, uh, don't like kids being used as political pawns. And so uh, it's, it's quite an effective campaign. Not sure where the vote's going to land. Remember, there's also a tobacco tax for transportation. Uh, and so if the no side wins on early childhood, does the no side then win on transportation as well? Uh, we will see. But Amendment 3, the tobacco tax, will probably have more spending on both sides than any other uh, question on Missouri's ballot. And really, uh, besides governor and U.S. Senate, it's probably going to be the most spent of any anything you see on your ballot in Missouri. Aaron Baker with us this morning on the uh, morning meeting. All right, Aaron, so uh, Bob Dylan, you're going to uh, put an incomplete on. Give me a Christian artist instead. <laughs> well, there's been many that have come to concerts in, in Quincy. You know, I'm a, I'm a casting crowns, third day type of guy, mm. I guess you could say. Uh, I've taken our youth group to a lot of skillet concerts. Ooh. So got a lot of credentials there. Very good. Is that good enough for you, Quay? Yeah, I like that. Okay, you got his bona fides out here. You can go ahead and zip it back up, Aaron. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies with us this morning on the morning meeting. Thanks for the time and the insight. We'll talk to you again next week after that final debate. All right, we'll see you then. Aaron Baker with us this morning on the morning meeting. Coming up, who has renounced Obamacare after just singing its praises a short time ago and why it's important that he is who he is next on the morning meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.
WTAD. Producer Josh didn't break out any Bob Dylan for the bump music today. Do, do you hate Bob Dylan too? Is that what it is? Nah, we just we don't have the stuff set up for Bob Dylan. Oh, we did? Nah, not oh, right now. Got, no. There's there is a whole swivel rack. I I, I understand that it's not usually what oh, we do. Yeah. But if okay, you look well to your right there, there is a whole. Sw- <laughs> now it would have taken time to go through all of those, Josh. This, now I this get is it. true. This is true. And you didn't know that Sean Quaid was going to call you out, but I'm just saying there are tools around you. Look Quaid, the music Bob Nazi, Dylan would have had here. to go through the whole catalog, and I would have <laughs> rate each one. I would have it, not, finding a Bob Dylan song wouldn't have been enough. It would have had to have been <laughs> I know. the proper thing to fit within the bumper rotation. It would, it would have been something that would have had to work. In fact, I probably would have we talked about gone for something from uh, Highway 61 revisiting. <laughs> apparently, just, just to go there. Apparently. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Uh, Craig Robinson coming up tomorrow on the morning meeting. The Iowa Republican. Um, let's see, does, does he have anything to be embarrassed about this week? Iowa uh, didn't lose last week, did they? No, the pressure was off and they won. That's right. That's right. Because we, we just about stoned him to death. They uh, stuck it out and beat Minnesota 14 to 7, ago. something yeah. like that. So the thrilling ball game. <laughs> We'll talk to Craig about everything that uh, both presidential camps are doing in these days, running up to the final debate coming up on Wednesday. We'll do that tomorrow right here on the morning meeting. Well, one more outlet that has been supporting Obamacare has turned its back on the president. The Democratic governor of Minnesota came out yesterday and said that Obamacare is, quote, no longer affordable. Mm. Now, that's a big rebuke because that's uh, Governor Dayton, just he was one of the huge embracers of the law and was really sticking by it a couple of years ago. And uh, sentiment tends to run liberal in Minnesota. I worked up there for a while. Okay. I was on the air there for 9-11. Uh, so they, they run a little bit more liberal in that state, especially when you get upstate. You're down toward the Iowa border. It's not so bad. Those are, those are uh, regular rednecks, as Bill Clinton would say. You get a little... You a little little further up north, gets huh. a little more liberal. Okay, uh, as you go there, the, so the Canadian influence. It could be. Okay. It could be. Uh, his quote was: uh, "The reality is the Affordable Care Act is no longer affordable for increasing numbers of Minnesotans." Mm-hmm. Well, so well, the, the, was there anybody? For he's state. just making a statement. To, to follow up, question is: Okay, do you unplug it, or do you do you push all in? Well, I don't think a state can i mean that's that's a federal program well but you're right but they need the states to be on board that was always part of the deal right right uh, governor dayton pointed out that minnesotans are looking at a premium increase from 50 to 67 percent for next year in now, obamacare now instead prices of, going up yeah service is getting worse mm-hmm. this is government this government's is what happens, involved Shock. this is what happens when government subsidizes or government takes over the management of something however prices go up service goes down instead of stomping up and down and giving it the big i told you so which i i know is the knee-jerk reaction and the inclination of many you, what you need to be aware of is these these admissions of it being a less than, uh, I would say that, that's not the, the right word, less than perfect. Obviously, it's less than mm-hmm. perfect. Uh, a less than feasible 
program, you need to be wary of what the next step is. Because I think just like we talked about Bill Clinton saying, hey, this thing's crazy, they're not, they're not going to argue Donald Trump's position that we introduce competition to it. They're going to argue that we remove the private sector from it totally and let the government take over. You got. You have to understand that's that's that, the liberal mindset. You're right, and, and I don't know uh, Governor Dayton in Minnesota enough to know if he's more of a of a Reagan Democrat or or if he is you know fully to the left liberal Democrat Hillary Clinton style. So while you would hope that there would be some, hey, we had a really great system for the vast majority of the population. Why don't we just do the thing that was working, and then. You can tinker around the edges and try and make it better. But it's that, a that fundamental tinkering around difference. the edges, if you tinker around the edges of Obamacare, where does it lead you? No, I'm talking about pre-Obamacare in this country. Mm. You go back to a private insurance uh, free market, costs were not nearly what they are now. Benefits and choices were, I'll go ahead and, and use some hyperbole, 10 times what they are now. It's that system that could be tweaked a little bit. Instead, we uprooted it for something that that less than but, half the people were on board for. The states had to be strong-armed into, and, and now it's been seen to be one lie after another. You, this is this is fundamentally flawed. Yeah, well, you are coming from a place where you're actually concerned about the insurance and the health care that people are getting. That's not what this was. Right. This was a political move. This was about grabbing now, a sixth of the economy for the government. For the government. This promising th- more free stuff to under, get votes. Under the under the the Halloween mask of mm-hmm. we're helping people who aren't you, sure. And, and ask people who are in the medical industry. Nothing about Obamacare had anything to do with quality of patient care. Nothing had anything to do with quality of patient care. I've talked to many dozens of people in the healthcare industry. They have all uniform different set, areas, whether different areas, whether they're and people who are who identify as Democrat and Republican. Mm-hmm. All their biggest complaint across the board is this had nothing to do with improving patient care. I'm not going to argue with that. So this, this the, you have to understand what the issues are when we're talking about this. All right. An Illinois group that wants to prevent transportation funds from being voted elsewhere. Uh, You know, this is the uh, lockbox amendment that's going to be on the Illinois ballot. They've now spent an estimated $2.5 million to get this going. We'll be talking about this in the weeks coming up. And a a new Democratic super PAC trying to link Governor Rauner to Donald Trump uh, for more Democratic votes here in the state of Illinois. Really? Yeah, you didn't see that one coming, did you? That's going to do it for us this morning. If you missed any of it, including Aaron Baker from Axiom Strategies, grab the podcast, Craig Robinson, the Iowa Publican, as we wrap up the week tomorrow here on The Morning Meeting. Morning Meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.